Welcome to PTJ Author Interviews. PTJ Editor-in-Chief Alan Jetty talks with authors about the most interesting and sometimes surprising aspects of their work. And now, Dr. Jetty. I'd like to welcome listeners to this latest PTJ podcast. Uh, This is Alan Jetty. I'm Editor-in-Chief of Physical Therapy. And today, I'm very pleased to have as my guest, Dr. Susan Marzellini. Susan, welcome. Thank you, and thank you uh, for this opportunity. Dr. Marzellini, she is a research scientist and a clinician at Toronto Rehabilitation Institute, a university health network in Toronto, Ontario, Canada. And today, we're going to talk about a study she and her colleagues published in PTJ. It's entitled... Eligibility, Enrollment, and Completion of Exercise-Based Cardiac Rehabilitation Following Stroke Rehabilitation, colon, What Are the Barriers? Susan, I thought I would do a little summary, and then we can talk about your research, if that's okay. Yeah, that's perfect. This was a prospective study, and it included 116 uh, consecutive people who were enrolled in a single outpatient stroke rehabilitation program. Questionnaires were completed by the treating physical therapists for consecutive participants who received outpatient uh, stroke rehabilitation, and it included reasons for uh, cardiac rehab ineligibility as well as reasons for declining participation. Uh, The primary reasons for ineligibility included being non-ambulatory or having poor ambulation and having severe cognitive deficits or no home exercise support. An outpatient stroke rehab and cardiac rehab partnership provided an effective continuum of care for these patients with approximately 75% of eligible patients participating, with more than 80% completing the program. Compared with traditional cardiac rehab, the stroke-adapted cardiac rehab resulted in superior attendance and completion rates. However, just over one of four eligible people declined participation, and correlates of declining included lack of interest, transportation, women, and people without diabetes. I really enjoyed the uh, the research, Susan. You covered a lot of really relevant topics that I found uh, fascinating. Let's t- start by talking about something you mentioned in your introduction. You've noted that upon discharge from outpatient stroke rehab, patients often become sedentary. And I think many clinicians have uh, seen this. And this situation, of course, leads to metabolic, cardiorespiratory, and functional health uh, deterioration. How prevalent is this sedentariness in this population? Yeah, unfortunately, it's... uh it's very prevalent. And overall, people after stroke, they take less than half of the daily steps of people who don't have a stroke in the, in a typical day. And they spend on average 80% of the day in sedentary behavior. And that, that was demonstrated in a very large systematic review published in 2017. In that review, they had over 100 studies and 5,000 patients. And some of these studies, they followed patients 
from early post-stroke all the way through uh, one year later, and they found that the sedentary behavior does not change. It persists throughout. And it's not really so surprising um, because we know we published a study last year where we um, in, uh, we had a, conducted a survey on all of the in and outpatient traditional stroke rehab programs, and we found that um, while some of them do prescribe aerobic and resistance training, it's only for, for a very short intervention. And that, so what we found was 61% of all in and outpatient programs in Canada do prescribe aerobic training, but um, they only prescribe for about six to eight sessions. And that proportion's even less in the U.S., with just over half of acute and non-acute care physical therapists prescribing aerobic training, and again, for only a median of two to eight weeks. And so there's so many barriers and challenges for traditional stroke rehab programs, and the top two barriers that we found in those um, from the U.S. study found that there was insufficient time in the therapy session and insufficient length of stay. And another Canadian study reported that the most frequently cited barrier by Canadian PTs was the concern for patient safety owing to cardiac conditions. So as you mentioned, without you know this guidance and supervision, these patients become sedentary. There's a significant loss of muscle mass, so that at six months, there's about a 24% difference in lean mass between the paretic and non-paretic lower limbs. And then the level of cardiorespiratory fitness falls just at or below that required for independent living. And both of these, the loss of lean mass and cardiorespiratory fitness, they're associated with higher mortality rates in chronic disease and healthy populations. So a cardiac rehab program, um, they're, we're well suited to fill that gap in the care of stroke survivors as we offer medically supervised aerobic and resistance training components. We have the psychosocial nutrition and risk factor modification education, and we have the cardiac assessment. So uh, we uh, conduct cardiopulmonary exercise stress testing and blood glucose monitoring. And that's what sort of leads to the rationale for the current study is, you know, how effective is uh, cardiac rehab, outpatient stroke rehab partnership, as you mentioned, and how many patients are eligible, how many decline to participate, and do they adhere? The data that you've cited really confirms what I think what most clinicians have experienced. Mm -hmm. It's a huge problem. It is, yeah. Can, can you talk a little bit about what constitutes stroke-adapted cardiac rehab and how it differs from more traditional cardiac rehab? Mm -hmm. So um, I'll sort of give you a bit of history of our program. So Dr. Paul O, our medical director, and I started Toronto Rehab's Risk Factor Modification and Exercise Program for People Following Stroke. It's also known as the TRI REPS program. We started that 15 years ago as a substream of our traditional cardiac rehab program, and we started it because we wanted to help fill a gap in the care of stroke patients with mobility deficits. And at that time, as far as we know, it was the only supervised exercise and risk factor modification program for people with disability after a stroke. And I'd like to mention that I've been inspired every day seeing these patients regain their lost mobility and taking back control of their lives. And so to me, it's alarming that despite the importance of these types of programs, they're still not widely available in Canada, the U.S., or even globally. 
So in terms of the TRREPS program, to be eligible, patients have to have mobility deficits, but uh, so they, they have to be able to walk at least 100 meters with or without a gait aid with no time limit and, rest, or, and as many rest breaks are allowed as they need, and they have to be able to carry out home exercise with or without assistance. Now, all of the other patients who have no deficits, they're um, integrated into our regular cardiac rehab program. So in total, we see about 200 patients a year with a diagnosis of stroke from a variety of uh, referral sources. Um, so the design of the TRREPS is similar in design to, to the traditional cardiac rehab program, where patients attend our center one time per week for six months where they carry out their individualized aerobic and resistance training programs. And they're also required to complete four additional aerobic training sessions and one to two resistance training sessions at home. And that helps to foster independence so that when they complete our program, they will continue with their exercise. And our research has demonstrated that they complete 70 to 80% of their home exercise sessions. Now, they're also required to complete exercise logs that they submit weekly. They receive, both groups receive education sessions. Um, in the TRREPS, these education ses sessions are more specific to stroke recovery. And um, the exercise is more individualized for, uh, in the TRREPS program. And we also have one staff for every five patients in TRREPS. Uh, compared to one uh, staff for every 8 to 12 patients in the traditional cardiac rehab program. There's no charge to the program except parking, um, and all patients have a cardiopulmonary exercise stress test at baseline three and six months. And we also encourage caregivers to attend the education and the exercise sessions. Well, you've certainly reduced many of the barriers that you can control. So we'll come back to that uh, later. But um, let me go on and, and ask you about uh, one of the gender findings that you reported. Women in your sample had uh, poorer compliance in the outpatient stroke rehab than men, 73% uh, uh, compared to 93% in men. Did this finding uh, surprise you? It did me. Yeah, it did me too. Um, and I had originally included that measure because I thought it may be related to enrollment in cardiac rehab in general. Um, and indeed it was. So people were more likely to decline to participate if they had poor compliance in outpatient stroke rehab. But I didn't think at the time there would be that sex difference in adherence to outpatient uh, rehab. But in retrospect, in our previous research we've done here in cardiac patients, we do demonstrate that women have poor attendance at cardiac rehab, and so maybe it's not quite so surprising. Um, I, I didn't act, we didn't actually examine why women had lower attendance in outpatient stroke rehab, but in past research I found that one reason that women with coronary artery disease have poor completion of cardiac rehab was because of pre-existing musculoskeletal issues. And in the current study, more women had MSK issues than men post-stroke. So about half of all of the women had MSK issues compared to only about a quarter of the men. So that may have been a contributing mm. factor. Yeah, to sure. poor adherence, yeah. But that sure. being said, the adherence was pretty good for both both men and women. Um, yes, and then, absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. Uh, the low prevalence of musculoskeletal impairments in, in your men is also surprising to me. Mm-hmm. It it it, uh, it may reflect changing occupation um, in, in these cohorts um, as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You you reported that reduced motor recovery of the leg and the foot, as well as use of mobility aids, mm-hmm. specifically wheelchairs, as well as cognitive deficits were all associated with being ineligible. Uh, And you talked a little bit about the need for alternative programs for these individuals. Yeah. Could you talk a little bit about what those programs might look like? Because as I listen to you describe your um, stroke-adapted cardiac rehab program, it's it's already fairly highly adapted. It's... it's, um, I would think it would meet the needs of many people. What, what do you have in mind in terms of alternative programs? Yeah, so uh, just stepping back a little bit, so there there are only 15% of the whole cohort of all 116 patients um, who were not eligible because they were non-mobile and really confined to a wheelchair, and 6% of all the patients were not eligible because of severe cognitive impairment with um, these were patients who had no help um, to complete exercise at home. Um, but, you know, this is sort of that treatment risk paradox where patients who most need exercise training and guidance and supervision, they, they don't actually receive it. And uh, we found this also in inpatient and outpatient stroke rehab. In that survey I mentioned, 75% of programs that prescribe aerobic training exclude patients with severe stroke. And also community programs have a minimal distance patients need to walk um, before being eligible. You know, these, these patients, they, they require one-to-one supervision. Um, they need transfers, you know, for toileting. They, w- they would need to attend probably three to five times per week as they wouldn't have yeah. access to, you know, specialized equipment like uh, bikes with functional electrical stimulation. So we would require additional funding and resources, and I imagine so would any other program to, to yeah. help those patients. Um, yeah, they're yeah. quite severely impaired. Yeah, but we, we need – it's an important issue, and I think, you know, we need to design programs uh, specifically for these patients because, as I said, they, they're the ones that, that need it most. When you looked at the variables associated with declining cardiac rehab participation, you found that being a woman, having poor compliance with the outpatient stroke rehab, as you already mentioned, and then not having a diagnosis of diabetes was related. The first two did, did not surprise me, but not having a diagnosis of diabetes, why do you think that was related to declining participation in the cardiac rehab? Yeah, that was an unexpected finding. You know, in cardiac patients, it's well documented that people with diabetes, I mean, it's a really strong predictor of dropping out and poor adherence. Um, to cardiac rehab overall. But in in the context of, again, going back to that survey that we conducted, it does make some clinical uh, sense. So in the survey I mentioned, um, Canadian in and outpatient stroke rehab programs, um, most of them weren't measuring blood glucose during or after exercise in the programs that did prescribe exercise. So it's to me, it was an indication that people with diabetes 
likely don't receive a lot of attention for their diabetes. I think more of the attention is on the stroke um, because of how complex it is and, you know, how many services these patients require. Um, and it's the same with cardiac conditions. Often cardiac conditions go undiagnosed in patients with a stroke. So it could be that these patients with diabetes, they, they feel that they do need some supervision, that they can't really exercise safely on their own, and I would actually agree that they do need that extra supervision. And in cardiac rehab, we, for example, in our program, we have specific diabetes workshops. We have educate, specific education sessions, dietary services. We monitor glucose, and these services aren't typically offered in the community. So I think that may be one, you know, uh, sure. the reason. And, and in terms of the sex difference, I was surprised that women were almost twice as likely to decline to participate in cardiac rehab than men. So, I mean, the, the statistic was 79% of all eligible men accepted to participate, and only 54% of all eligible women um, accepted the offer to participate in cardiac rehab. And when yeah. I looked at the primary reasons given by men and women for declining, there was no sex difference. However, there were 14 different categories of reasons for declining, and with only 26 women, these numbers become small, and so it's yeah. hard to really see any big difference. We, we really needed a larger sample size for that. But there was one difference in the secondary reasons for declining. Five women versus no men cited fatigue as a reason for not participating. So, and another sex difference was in, uh, we mentioned the proportion of uh, MSK issues. So, um, yeah. that, you know, the, the thought of exercising when there might be potential pain might be another deterrent. It does raise concerns about what's going on with women with these mm -hmm. types of um, conditions, no question about it. Yeah, and I mean, the other thing we found was um, in outpatient stroke rehab, there, there were only 36% women in, in that whole cohort of 116 yeah. patients. And that's the outpatient stroke rehab. They found that in the U.S. programs as well, where there's that disparity where women are underrepresented in outpatient stroke rehab. And I mean, yeah, it could, it's could be... Yeah, it's worrisome, and I, I, you know, that outpatient stroke rehab is sort of a gateway to receive further care, including exercise right. training, so, yeah. Right. If we move on and talk about your completion rates, which, by the way, in my view, were really excellent. 81.7% mm -hmm. um, completed the program. And interestingly to me, the adapted program had superior completion than the traditional. Do you think it's because of all the care and attention that you gave to the people in the adaptive program, or do you think something else is going on? Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. I think it's that, but I think it's a combination of things, um, and I really can only speculate from my experience. So I, I worked in the cardiac program for many years before working with stroke patients, and um, I think uh, the first thing is the difference in the program model. Like you say, the patients do get more attention because they need more attention. They have disability um, Sure. But I, yeah, but um, the other thing is we the patients complete their resistance training programs as well as aerobic training every single class that they come in. In the cardiac program, 
they, we start resistance training at week eight, and then they do it periodically. And the patients really, really like the resistance training. They, it's the resistance training program is more individualized. So, for example, I assess each patient. I look at their pain-free range of motion and all joints. I observe their gait, and then I determine what muscles were most affected by the stroke, and uh, you know how it affects their functioning. And then I design the program around that in combination with, you know, basing it on the patient's goals. And so I think that really motivates them, and they see that they're improving their function by doing resistance training. And then with the cardiac patients, even the stroke patients in the cardiac program, it's not as individualized. So it's sort of a, more of a set program. And I do think do stroke think patients, yeah. No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I think they're more more motivated. Uh, you know, they're left with these deficits, and they, they want to get better. So it sounds like that might explain why when you compare your completion rates overall to traditional cardiac rehab, you, you achieve much higher completion rates. Mm-hmm. Yeah, much higher, definitely. And and it's, it's surprising because this is a much more challenged population. Definitely. And, yeah, you know, so. we've seen that through all our studies. There, You know, we get completion rates of 90%, which is really unheard of, but for many, many years. So it's not, you know, just the odd, the odd time we've seen that. It's pretty consistent. But it strikes me that given that kind of completion rate, the challenge going forward is to get more people to agree to participate. Once you get them in, you kind of hook them. That's exactly it. That's that's I think, yeah. the weakness there. Yeah. Yeah. And well, we, I think that's the challenge with all exercise work. Yes. It's the self self-selected population that you end up working with. But if you can get more people to agree, mm-hmm. then I think um, you're probably going to really um, make progress. Yeah, and that's uh, you know. From this study, we found that that partnership between an outpatient stroke rehab and a cardiac rehab program, like you said, we remove the barrier. So it's that smooth yeah. transition, right, from outpatient yeah. right to cardiac. And then then from cardiac, we, pr- we send them on to community programs if that's what they yeah. want. Dr. Marzolini, I really want to thank you both for publishing your work in PTJ. I was really pleased that we were able to promote uh, the research that you and your colleagues have done, and I appreciate your taking the time today to share some of your thoughts with our listeners. I really appreciate the invitation and being able to speak with you today, and thank you so much for publishing our work. And if I could, I'd just like to acknowledge the other investigators. I was Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I was lucky enough to work with some uh, amazing physical therapists, Karen Fong, Jennifer Nierinks, Jean Liu, and Rena Riez. And uh, also, I just wanted to mention David Jagroup, who's a registered kinesiologist, and he did a tremendous amount of work on the study, as well as Sherry Grace, Dr. Paul O, and uh, Tracy Colella. So uh, thank you very much. Well, and congratulations to all of you. Thank you.